This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Morning, church. We're going to be in Psalm... Psalm 23. Thank you, brother. We will eventually get to that. And we're going to also look at a couple other uh, various psalms along the way on our journey to Psalm 23. I want us to look at the topic of grief through a journey of searching through psalms in our series of delight. And so when you think of the topic this morning, how can we delight while grieving? It kind of sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How do you do that? We're going to unpack that today and look at God's Word on how to do that. I also want to help us understand a little bit um, about what grief is. A lot of times um, when we think of grief, we think only of loss of a loved one. Uh, but there can be a loss of a lot of different things. So what is, what is grief? If you do an interview with people about grief, you'll get all kinds of answers. Some of them would be, it's intense, it's chaotic, it's a tangled web of emotions called by loss and trauma. Some are quoted as saying, it felt like I was losing my mind. Some describe it as going through your day in a fog cloud because grief can temporarily block the ability to see God because of this fog. But over time, and over healing, the fog begins to lift to what I would say is a partly cloudy day, and eventually to a day like we see outside today, a beautiful sunny day. And the timeline of that is not up to you and I, it's up to the Lord. It's different for everybody on the grief journey. It's all these emotions and much more. But sadly, grief is also something that we tend to hide. And we don't want to deal with grief around others many times. We try to unpack it and do it ourselves. J.I. Packer said, Suffering and grief is getting what you do not want while wanting what you do not get. The late Tim Keller said this, he says, don't waste your suffering and grief. Grief will tempt you to walk alone, but we need to fight off that temptation and walk through grief in biblical community. See, grief attacks us emotionally, mentally, physically, and socially. And I believe it also affects us spiritually to a point. Because we begin to ask tough questions to God. We cry out to God and we can either draw closer to Him or we can cause us, it can cause us to self-medicate to ease our pain and turn away from God and drift away. So let me ask you a key question this morning. I want you to be considering and pondering over throughout the message and beyond. And the question is this, in times of grief, are the things you were turning to for comfort helping or hurting you? 
I'm, I feel I'm very acquainted with grief from multiple experiences down through the years of my life. And I'm confident in speaking about it so that God can use my experiences and the, thing that God, the things that God has shown me along the way to comfort some of you as well this morning. It comes from different backgrounds. Grief can come from a lot of different angles. And I'm not going to go into great detail today because a year ago, coming off my sabbatical, I shared my story. But some of the things that I can help you relate to me with or to relate to our topic of grief is maybe you can attach yourself to a few of these examples. I've suffered through uh, grief that includes losing innocence from abuse as a kid, um, losing grandparents, um, <laughs> both of my parents, um, with only eight months between, all of my aunts and uncles, except one remaining aunt, are gone. I lost a brother, my only brother, to cancer at age 47. I've lost friends and family to drunk drivers, many to cancer, some by suicide, some by overdose, and several friends and family uh, to COVID. I've lost jobs, lost relationships to the church conflicts, lost an unborn child. So you can see there's many types of things that we grieve from. It's been noted that it takes about six to nine months for the heart to accept what the eyes have already seen or experienced. And you have to grieve each individual loss. So when you look at your losses, they quickly add up to a large sum that has to be dealt with. Yet through all these examples and experiences that I've shared or you have endured or that you might have to endure later, my message to you today is that we can still delight in the Lord even in our grief. Now that sounds like an oxymoron. It doesn't go together, does it? But you really can. For our Lord is faithful. He is ever present with us in our times of grief and our dark valleys. And He will walk with you in that valley of death. Why can I say that? Because God meets us where we are. Not where we wish we were. Not where we think we were or are or pretend to be. He does not abandon us when things get dark around us, even though we think He may have. Our grief is related to the connection that we had with our lost loved ones. For example, the closer we are to that person, the more pain we may endure through grief. The greater the loss, the greater the grief. For example, uh, the grief that you experience from the passing of a grandmother who lived to be 97 will be different than the grief experienced from the loss of a child, right? The grief from losing an uncle may be different than the grief from the loss of a spouse, but it's still grief. Now, 1 Thessalonians in Scripture, chapter 4 and verse 13, teaches us that as believers, we will not grieve like the world grieves who have no hope. But that certainly doesn't mean that Christians do not grieve. Jesus grieved, didn't he? He wept at the loss of his friend Lazarus. 
David grieved. We see that all through the Psalms. One of the examples is found in Psalm 6 and verse 6 through 7. It should be on the screen for you. David says, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief, and they grow old because of all of my enemies. Man, that, that's real raw grief, isn't it? And again, we see David grieving over a different matter, the fact that his friends have left him, and he's been in, engaged now by his enemies all around him. In Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10, we read these words, Be gracious to me, Lord, because I am in distress. My eyes are worn out from frustration, my whole being as well. Indeed, my life is consumed with grief and my years with groaning. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I love the phrase that David uses here when he says, my life is consumed with grief. It's so true. Grief affects everything about us. It's this tangled ball of emotion, and I so appreciate H. Norman Wright's effort to give a visual, and I think it'll be on the slide for you. It's this ball of emotions. I know you can't read the words, but I'll give you a few of them. It just gives you a mental image of everything that's going on inside of us when we grieve. A whole gamut of emotions we may experience on any given day includes sorrow, anguish, loneliness, fear, rage, abandonment, denial, jealousy, regret, emptiness, disappointment, apathy, hurt, anxiety, despair, inadequacy, yearning, pain, guilt, envy, hopelessness, sadness, depression, and there's more. On any given day when you're in grief, you're going through those waves of emotions. So when you walk in to church on Sunday and somebody says, how you doing? You're like, fine. Because <laughs> you have no time to unpack all that. But you're not fine. All that's going on inside you. Grief isn't something that you just set out to overcome or battle on your own. That kind of language doesn't work with grief. You see, we can't master grief on our own. We learn to live with it and navigate through it. Things like loneliness and anger and fear, they're all common emotions in grief, but in order to find relief and healing from these emotions, we must learn to take steps to work through them. We actually have to learn to embrace it. See, grief will never be your friend, but it can be a teacher. You can learn from it. The best way that I know how to describe my grief experiences, and, and you can relate to this, I think, it's like uh, leaning into a crashing wave of the ocean. At the beginning of grief, it feels like wave after wave is just crashing over us, knocking us down to our knees into the sand. And as we struggle to get back up, another one knocks us down again. That's what it's like at the beginning of intense, hard grief. Johnny Erickson Tata, who's lived all her adult life as a quadriplegic, is quoted in one of our Grief Share videos as saying, we must face grief like we face a sudden diagnosis or a sudden disability. You gather the facts, you learn to deal with it, you move forward, 
and you learn to embrace it as part of your life with all of its brokenness and disappointment. There's different stages of grief. I went into great detail a year ago on this. I'm just going to kind of hit the uh, highlights of it this time around. But uh, as we enter into these different stages of grief, realize that healthy grief is not leaving the person that you lost behind and never talking about them. That's what is called denial. It's moving from avoiding the memories that are so hard to embrace right now that cause tears to moving to memories that eventually bring joy again, and they will. You can't look at the pictures now, but you can years later. And so you know you've, you've had healing when you can do that. And everybody's timeline is different. That first, first stage of grief is called denial. It's when you get the news or when you, you hear the, the verdict and so forth, and you're like, no way, God, that, that can't happen. No, no, that's no. There's no way he's dead. There's no way I lost that job. All those different things, we're like, no, mm-mm, not, not going to listen to that. That's denial. But you've got to bring the person or the loss with you instead of putting them behind so that memories and thankfulness for that person becomes a happy experience again that is no longer filled with pain and sorrow of the loss. In addition to denial, there's four other typical responses to grief. The second one is a tough one. It's called anger and resentment. It's a normal, natural emotion. This is where we're still raw and we begin to get honest with God about what has happened. And the biblical approach to anger is to complain to God. Whereas the worldly approach to anger is to complain about God and blame and accuse Him of lacking goodness and holiness and wisdom. We see this anger portrayed in a lot of our Psalms that we read. Because it's real. And this stage is where spiritual depression and spiritual separation anxiety tries to kick in. They are the results of our internal interpretations of what has happened externally. It's what Pastor Matt preached about last week about anxiety, where he taught us to reject the what-ifs that causes doubt and fear and worry and move to accepting the truth of the what-is. And it's the same thing in grief. Biblical grief trusts God's heart enough to surrender everything about us to Him. In our most vulnerable positions, we can be honest with ourselves and be honest with God as we cry out and ask Him for help and begin to heal and receive that help. And when we do that, we move into the third stage, which is a pivotal one. It's called bargaining. It's where we try to amend the loss. And this can make or break it for a while. This is where we sometimes try to control or manipulate God. It's like, oh God, if you just take this pain away or this loss away, I will read two chapters every day in your Word. Right? We've all done We're laughing because we've all done that. God, I'll never do that again if you just make this go away. That's bargaining. This is where we begin to cry out to God with open hands in the midst of our darkness and in the midst of our fears and doubts and ask for help or ask why did this have to happen? 
And depending on how you handle that, you could move into the fourth stage, which is a lot of times a kind of, a, it seems like a step backwards, but it's actually a step forward if you navigate through it correctly. Because this is where you can fall into depression and alienation. This is where the weight becomes too heavy with the grief. You become overwhelmed by the pain and it cripples and paralyzes us because everything is different. Everything is different. Everything is a new thing now because of that loss. This is where we begin to lift our eyes to the Lord and begin to receive His help and we realize that we can't fix it ourselves or do anything to change what has happened. We can either try to be self-supporting and self-sufficient, doing it on our own, which I don't recommend, or we can move towards God's grace and God's sufficiency as we surrender and humble ourselves before the Lord and admitting we need help. And that's where we can eventually, over time, move to the final stage, which is finally acceptance, and moving from the question of why God to, okay God, now what? What's it look like moving forward? We begin to reflect on the big picture of what God is doing in and through our grief journey, and we ask to, you know, how we're going to move forward. Acceptance, though, does not mean that you would have chosen this loss to occur, or even that you like what has happened. It simply means that you're learning how to live with it as part of your life journey. And when we do that, it's a newness. We have this surge of new life and new power that comes our way. It ushers in the power again into our lives to love God and love others again through ministry and through biblical community. It's looking for how God can now use what has happened for His glory. We sang this morning, we're turning mourning into dancing. It's turning your darkest night into the bright light of a new day. You're turning your grief into the light of the Lord. We're going to look closely at Psalm 23 for the next few minutes. And I want you to see how these stages that I just shared unfold as David cries out to the Lord and he finds comfort and he finds new life and new hope from the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Spurgeon called this the Pearl of Psalms. We see in verse 1 that David is acknowledging Jesus as the chief shepherd of his people. Through Christ and Him alone we have what we need. When we are in grief, we need things like rest. We need some stillness. And our shepherd king knows that. 
picture this, the great I am of the Old Testament who is not bound by time or space or circumstances and who is not limited in power or knowledge is now our shepherd. In this life, we may not always have everything we want, but we will have what we need because of the Good Shepherd. Verse 2 continues talking about the shepherd leading us to rest in green pastures where we can feed and be replenished. He leads us beside still quiet waters. Why is this important? Because rapid running deep water is deadly to sheep because of the weight of their wool, quite frankly, the lack of swimming skills. I just am picturing this big sheep going, help me. That's us. That's us in grief. So the shepherd leads us where we can get clean water, fresh water that refreshes us without the danger of the deeper waters. Verse 3, he renews us with these green pastures and still waters, and he sets us back on the right path to begin to move forward out of our grief. He revives us when we are without strength, and he puts us back on our feet when we stumble or fall, because we will. We will stumble and fall. We'll, we'll start to say, I think I'm moving out of my grief now. Things are, I'm having a good day. And then tomorrow, bam, the wave hits again. And then you're having another good day. It goes up and down like this till it finally levels out. He leads us by His Spirit and through the Word of God. And notice it's important, I think, to see that He, he leads us for His name's sake, it says. Do you see what that means here? He meets our needs, He renews our life, and He leads us to the right paths, and He does this for His name's sake, for His glory, for His name. We must go through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's all done with His reputation and His character at stake. He wants us all to see His glory as we travel through the deep, dark valleys that life brings our way. This is how we delight in the Lord. It, it looks different than delighting while anxious. It looks different than delighting while you're doubting and fearful, but we can still delight in the Lord even in our grief. You're, you'll sing songs and you won't be able to get through them, but you're still delighting in the Lord inside. You'll start to pray and you can't finish the prayer, but you're still delighting in the Lord. Verse 4, even when I go through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, Jesus tells us not to fear because He is with us. God's presence, church, is evident while we grieve. His rod is there to protect and guide us along the path as He keeps us from danger. Because most people around you do not know what you're going through as you grieve. They really don't. They care, they love you, but they don't understand what's going on because you can't even explain it. But God knows what you're going through, for He cares for you. In Psalm 34:18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Mm. Jesus is our source of comfort. And if you are here today and you are in grief or you're in a dark place right now, you are not alone. God will meet you right where you are because He is near the brokenhearted, Scripture says. 
You may think God doesn't hear your prayers, but He does. You may think He's not around you, but He is present. I promise you that. Job in the Old Testament, a very wealthy man, had everything this world can offer and much more. But he lost almost everything he had on this earth in one day. He cried out. He lamented to God. He suffered much pain physically. And he asked God, why 16 times and never got an answer? Yet God had his sovereign hand on all that happened to Job. And he restored Job and he blessed him abundantly, Scripture says, with more than he ever had before. That's our God. In his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, the author describes lament as the honest cry of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. While we wrestle with the pain, God is there all the way. Because in our darkest moment, green pastures and still waters don't exist in that place. Yet David says we are to fear no danger or evil. Why? Because the Good Shepherd is going to get us through those valleys. He's like, hey, come here. Follow me. We're going this way. We've got to go through this valley, but I'm going to guide you. You can't find the waters. You can't find the green pastures. Follow me. I'm going to guide you through this. Because our Good Shepherd is leading us through. And like so many of the Psalms that we've studied in this series, it kind of starts out, why God and, and God and forgive me and cleanse me and all these different things crying out to God, but then it shifts to hope. And you, you see the aha moments of the psalmist like, all these things have happened, but God is. Right? So we start to see this in verse 5 and 6. Notice it says, a table is prepared for us. Man. Church, we are invited and included at God's table. He's brought us like sheep from the fields through the valleys, and, and now He's seating us as His guest at His table where we are both safe and satisfied. We delight in God's goodness through it all is never half full or empty. It is filled to the brim and it's overflowing, and He's lavishing His goodness and His love over us until it begins to flow out of us again. Notice in verse 6, the last verse, God's goodness and faithful love constantly pursues us all the days of our lives. We have the hope that we will dwell with the Lord forever. This psalm, most widely read at funerals, is not about death. It's actually comforting us during our times of grief. Is it the what ifs or the what is? Find Scripture then that will support that truth. And repeat those verses to yourself that give you hope and encouragement. Put them up in places where you see them. And you might want to do something as practical as this. Um, on the screen you'll see a sentence that you need to fill in the blank. It says, I feel blank because blank. You fill that in. And after you do that, then write, but the truth is and answer it that way and attach Scripture to that. So for example, I feel sad maybe because uh, I lost my grandmother. 
But the truth is, in God's Word, it says because she was a believer in Christ, God has prepared a place for her that she's now existing with the Lord. And one day there will be a reuniting of us with those who have gone before us who believe in Jesus Christ. That's the truth. So try that out. See if it would help you. And as I uh, wrap up here this morning, I invite the worship team to come back up as I get into the gospel responses in just a few minutes. Dr. Bob Kellerman says this. He says, grief clouds our eyes like cataracts of doubt about who God is and who we are. We must see Christ as our compassionate soul care physician. We must see ourselves as who we are in Christ, which means things like we are valued, loved, and priceless in His sight. And instead of viewing God through the lens of our loss, we must view God through the lens of the cross. Jesus is well acquainted with your grief and pain. He's always with you. He's a healing Savior who speaks eternal truth into our earthly wounds. How do we move from hurting to hope? It's through trust. Where can we find God's healing for our losses? It's in Christ and with Christ. It's a personal journey that we all must travel. We don't want to, but we have to. But travel it in biblical community. We groan for relief from the pain of this world and to live in hope. And as we grieve, we continue to delight in the Lord. So a couple takeaways for the gospel response. There's four of them, basically just reviewing some things. Number one, in times of grief, here's the question I started with. Are the things you are turning to for comfort helping or hurting you? Secondly, I highly recommend that you grieve in biblical community. What does that mean? It means letting God and others walk with you through the valley of death. It doesn't mean you're trying to fix them. It means you're walking with them, arm in arm, through those dark valleys. There's no way I would have survived what I've been through without D groups, my wife, family, life groups. You can be real and raw around those that you trust in those groups. My pastoral team, same thing. I couldn't have done it without them. Number three, walk by truth, not feelings and emotions. And the last thing, we, uh, we start... Grief share back up on September 14th, Thursday afternoons from 2 to 3.30. And if you can make that work for 13 weeks, we'd love to have you sign up. In the other lobby at the Care Hub, there's a sign-up sheet. You can go to our website and sign up as well, or you can go to griefshare.org and find our group there by punching in your zip code. Ours will come up and you can register that way. But I highly recommend if you are maintaining grief or going through grief right now that you're tangled up in that ball of emotions. I would highly recommend you come. I've seen people this past winter go through so many things, but we did it together as a group. 
and most of them came through doing a whole lot better than what they were when they started. So I'm looking forward to what God's going to do again with that. Let me pray for you and we'll, we'll uh, worship with one more song here this morning. God, in this world we know we're going to have loss and sickness and disease and death. Your Word tells us that. But for those of us who believe, we do grieve differently because of the hope of eternity with You. Father God, as while in the valley of the shadow of death, like a shepherd leads his flock, help us to rest in the comfort of Your care and protection. May we find peace and rest and comfort in You, knowing that one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I can't preach a sermon like this without offering help to apply it. So Grief Share is one of those ways to help you with that. If you need prayer this morning, I'll be right over here. And we'd love to pray for you this morning. So let's stand and worship as we close. Trust the voice that speaks. 
Rise up, oh heart, believe, let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up, oh heart, believe, let faith rise up in me.
May the peace of God comfort you this morning. Thank you for that song. Wow. Yeah. Quite a moment this morning. Peace of God. When your eyes can't see, we're going to trust Him, right? Okay? God bless you all. Remember what we do. We run into the darkness and what? Light it up. Light it up. Let's go do that, church. God, love. God loves you and so do I. God bless you all. you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.